This time on Poll Hub, it's time for hellos and goodbyes. Hello to the Elon Musk era, maybe, at Twitter. If the deal goes through, what will it mean for the app and to the way Twitter impacts public opinion? Then hello and goodbye to the college grads of 2022, goodbye to their college years, and hello to potentially decades of repaying debt. We're digging into student debt as the president nears a decision on forgiving some of it for some families. We'll look at what Americans think. Finally, a bittersweet goodbye to our student production team. Stick around, I guarantee tears will flow. And hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper. I'm Barbara Carvalho, and I'm back. Yay! <laughs> and I'm Lee Merengoff, and I haven't gotten anywhere. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that. Um, Elon Musk uh, uh, is buying Twitter, may be buying Twitter. The deal still may not go through. There's a lot of uh, questions on the financial side about that. But we're interested in the Twitter side of things insofar as it affects public opinion. And there is research where to talk about it that does show that Twitter actually has an impact on public opinion. So what Elon Musk might want to do with Twitter, should he buy it, should he get it, uh, actually has a, an impact on public opinion. So let, let's set the table real quick. He wants to buy it for $44 billion. The deal's been accepted, but there's some contingencies about financing. We'll see if it happens. But let's say it does. He has said that he wants the platform to be more open, more free speech. This week, he said, for instance, I think Donald Trump should come back. I don't think he should have been banned. Uh, and that's at least one definition of free speech that he has for more free speech on Twitter. But we have asked Americans, other people have asked Americans uh, about uh, this. For example, in an April uh, Axios Ipsos poll just last month, 73% of Americans support removing posts that have false information. 83% support removing posts that promote violence against certain groups. So uh, let's put it to the group here. What is free speech? What is Elon Musk's free speech? And, and where do Americans you know, settle on this question of his definition of free speech maybe versus theirs? I don't think we're going to settle what free speech is <laughs> in uh, in the United States. Uh, you know, this has been this has been an age old question, and I think uh, the constitutional right to free speech has been the the, the subject of uh, many uh, court cases, uh, many debates. Um, this is just the latest, and I think what's interesting is um, I think it's expected to have this debate for social media because we have had that for every other form of media as our ability to communicate uh, has evolved. So uh, this, is, this is not something new, and I think it is something that is very good to be debating um, but I'm not sure that uh, there's going to be a resolution that makes all sides happy because, uh, you know, what people say to whom they say it and the implications of it have many different interpretations um, in our democratic society. Yeah, I, I've been struck and we've talked about this uh, off mic, as they say, um, but the uh, I mean, Twitter is recognized as sort of like this huge thing and i've always felt that when you see the numbers of users that it has an outsized impact relative to the size of its audience uh 23 of americans say they use twitter and only about half use it daily and i think some of those use it for a very different function than uh than you know the kind of like the popular image of twitter which is screaming at your enemy and 
you know, then screaming some more. Um, and uh, I mean, I use it to follow like I would a newspaper or TV. I follow news. I follow people who are not screaming at anybody, but are just trying to inform. Uh, so, you know, there's <laughs> Twitter is, is sort of not what it's made out to be or what people think of it. And, and I'm just curious, you know, your, your guys take on just why this outsized impact? I mean, it, it's, I, I'm a regular Twitter user. I use it every day. Um, I never write anything nasty or anything like that. I skip the nasty stuff for the most part. Why, why such an outsized impact? And I think that's probably why Elon Musk is getting the attention he is. Yeah, I think it's actually interesting that part of the financial problems with this deal are that <clears throat> Twitter's not it's barely a profitable company. It's really not very large compared to Facebook and, and, and other platforms. And $44 billion is a vast sum of money to spend for something that is really not a great business opportunity. So what does he want? And I think that's the point, Lee, is, is that he uh, is interested in its outsized influence. I think the answer to your question is um, the same reason that we both use Twitter is that we both use it as a news feed and we are part of the Twitterati or the Twitterverse, which is a smaller group of people than I think most, most people think, but very influential. And I count you among the very influential. Well, well, thank you, Jay. And I count you as well. Well, thank you. But I think it's very influential. The people who are on it are the people who are then on cable news, who are then writing the pieces, who are then in the blogs or in, a, in, in podcasts or whatever. The media is on Twitter. The media, the people in the media that we all uh, see or hear in one way or another, no matter how you consume media, whether it's Fox News or whether it's a podcast or, or whether it's MSNBC, whether it's a newspaper, I think that's why it has the outsized influences. It's a small select group that are on it, but it's a small select group that are very influential. Right, and come from and come from all walks of life as as well, um, and they are uh, influencers within those those just different sectors and within those different professions. Uh, so when many of them speak, a lot of people then uh, do listen. But I think what's interesting uh, is that uh, a lot of the arguments against uh, having. Twitter be such an open platform, which it is assumed that is what uh, Musk wants to do with it and make it uh, even more so, is uh, there have been you know, some other studies, um, uh, our, uh, our crack uh, producing team uh, uh, has pointed to German researchers who studied two events um, in 2019, um, which looked at how public debate um, on, on social media influenced uh, two different events um, in that country, one, the, uh, the Saxon state elections and also the violent uh, riots uh, in the city of uh, Leipzig in, 20, uh, in 2019. And uh, their conclusion was that there was an impact, um, but I'm not sure that that's a reason to then start banning these platforms. I kind of, I, I hearken, I can't help, you know, I, it's a political scientist in me. Maybe it was too many history courses as an undergraduate, but I kind of remember, um, you, know, re, you know, reading about, uh, and maybe Lee, you can provide some, you know, firsthand insight into this, but the, you know, the, the, the distributing of, you know, pamphlets um, and uh, during, you know, during the, uh, the Revolutionary War, 
um, to, to rally troops, to rally support. So um, I think this is, I see this as our present day means of communication. And, and are there, you know, are there caveats? Are there, are there extremes? Absolutely. Uh, we do have the sense, you know, we do have the idea in this country that, you know, you can't scream fire in a crowded, crowded movie theater. That's not free speech. So there are limitations, but finding that line, I think is a really, really tough thing. Yeah, I think you were going to ask me to provide some prehistoric uh, insight into this when you, when you threw it back uh, several hundred years. Yeah, I think it's important to note that uh, the reason I think it's it's gets the attention, I think that's you know why Elon Musk's activity is seen as being also important is because it is an opinion shaper and it does tend to move the discussion towards the extremes because of the types of commentary that it attracts. Um, uh, and, and, you know, I, as, as we've indicated, that isn't necessarily its only use, uh, but it has become uh, certainly one of the reasons it, it, it attracts the kind of attention that it does. And I think it's, you know, if you want to follow interesting people who have interesting things to say, Twitter can be that vehicle also. Uh, if you want to be screaming and angry, well, there you go. You can use that as well. So. Before we move on, I just say one thing. There, there is this, I think we understand it, but I, I see a lot of people talking about free speech on private platforms as if it's enshrined in the Constitution. If you own the press, you get to say what you want. The New York Times can print whatever it wants. Twitter can allow whatever it wants, private company. And so I do think there's a really important distinction there that if Elon Musk wants to open it up to anybody, he can do that. If he wants to shut it down to anybody, but exactly the people he wants to allow on there, that's fine. It's not a free speech. It's not a first amendment issue. It's a private company. And I think that's a really important distinction that we don't get conflate first amendment rights for any of us to say what we want in public and the rights of companies media companies, and that's what Twitter is, it's a media platform, to regulate the speech to the extent that they want to, because they own the platform. Okay, before we go, morning odds on uh, whether Elon Musk does end up the owner. Uh, I think it's under 50%. Yes, I think it's under 30%. Barb? Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's happening. But then again, I didn't bet on the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't earn any Bitcoin, so yeah. Anyway, yeah. hey, Barb, so, what's your take, Barb? Before no, you... I, I, I think this move, I think this moves forward. But then I would bet on a long shot. Oh, too bad you weren't part of the uh, the big money. But I didn't this time. But something that is not a long shot are the success of many college graduates uh, that uh, are going to be entering the, the workforce uh, in just the next few weeks. And here at Marist College, we've got uh, an eager group of, of seniors that are uh, really chomping at the bit. You know how much I like to use, uh, you know, horse analogies uh, to, to, uh, to, to make their mark in the world. Um, it hasn't been, it hasn't been an easy task, particularly for the last couple of graduating classes uh, through the pandemic. It's uh, It's been very, very difficult uh, and a very tough transition. But there is a bit more optimism for the graduates of, of 2022. Uh, they are entering uh, the uh, work environment with a lot of robust employment opportunities. But on the downside, uh, many of them are also entering uh, that market with, uh, with, with a good deal of debt. 
from their from their college experience and from uh, paying for the four years or two years of, of college that uh, that they have uh, acquired. President Biden is expected to announce in the coming weeks uh, that there is going to be some, at least some government forgiveness uh, for uh, college debt. Uh, particularly for people uh, making less than $125,000. And we see that that is uh, something that is supported um, in, in public opinion polls that have been done uh, recently. Uh, it, not all voters, there's certainly a partisan divide. Uh, the plurality, nearly half of uh, Republicans, 48%, uh, don't think that... Uh, um, uh, college loans should be forgiven uh, at, at all, uh, but independents and Democrats and particularly younger Americans, uh, our Gen Zers and, and millennials uh, do see a lot of positive to that. Um, what I what I want to get a sense of from you guys is uh, first, uh, you know, how how do America how will this impact um, Americans? I mean, on the one hand, uh, this is a good thing. Biden has a, a tough a tough, you know, row to hoe uh, with uh, with younger Americans. We see that in the polls, but also the sense of, you know, we're we're looking at very significant inflation right now. So, what is also the impact that this may have on on the economy as well? Because in a sense, forgiving debt does uh, put more money into the hands of those uh, who uh, would otherwise spend it on paying back these loans. Yeah, I would just say that you know I think also it's it's uh, should Biden go down this route? It's it does get into the argument of I paid back my loans. Why are we forgiving the debt of others? Because there was a an age difference uh, in the responses to whether people think this is a good idea or not, and and the baby boomers um, thought were least likely to to um, to think this is a great idea, whereas younger people clearly. So this is a benefit to them. Um, I would say on this, on a personal note, when I took student loans, I mean, the one thing I regretted in life, kind of like counterintuitively, is I didn't take more because I lived through college with very little extra income. And later in life, that difference wouldn't have made as much because money has changed because of inflation and changing uh, figures. So what I owed then uh, became less meaningful as I got older, and sorry that I didn't take out even a little bit more along the way, uh, because it probably would have helped just with lifestyle issues and things of that ilk. But uh, but I think this is a interesting one because politically, uh, Mr. Biden uh, can read those numbers and see that he needs to light a light a fire under um, the folks who are in, in that lower you know that immediate age group would benefit from this. Lee, your your point, though, is totally underscored about you feeling like you could have taken on more debt. It totally underscores one of the realities that I don't think any of us uh, feel because we're old. Uh, or I'll speak for myself, I'm old. Uh, I went to a public school and tuition was, uh, I think, $350 a quarter. And that's not a misprint, that's true. College costs have gone up uh, according to, and there's a, there are different figures of this. So we, we pulled one. Uh, but college costs have gone up 169%, according to a Georgetown report, since 1980. Uh, inflation has not gone up uh, 169%. So costs are really high. 
uh, and people are graduating with far more debt than we ever imagined. And then the other thing is the impact on the students. So there's a Gallup study from just last month that showed that 32% of, of uh, bachelor students have considered withdrawing in the last six months. Now, some of that obviously has to do with COVID. Some of it is financial stress though. 41% of students who are looking for a two-year associate's degree have considered doing the same. And this is higher than in 2020. So. There is, it's more than just a political thing. <clears throat> the the money is huge compared to what we faced. And, and there are real impacts on whether students continue to get educated. And that has an economic impact too. If they don't get their degrees, their earning power is going to shrink. So I think there's a lot to this that makes this um, more than just a simple calculation of uh, just forgive all the debt and let's move on. Yeah, and I, to that point, I was just going to say real quickly that uh, college is a, uh, is a, very financially beneficial investment uh, because throughout your life, your earning potential is very different with a BA and without. Um, and that's not a uh, endorsement of the place that, you know, pays my salary. I just think it's generally recognized that uh, the numbers speak to that. But Barb, you were going to say something. Well, I, you know, I was going to also mention that disclaimer, obviously, you know, we work at Marist College, college being the operative word in that statement, and we work with, uh, um, you know, students, uh, uh, both traditional age college students and, and older students who are trying to get either a, a BA or an advanced degree to, um, to, to better their uh, ability to uh, earn a living. And if you do look at the data, it is quite it is quite stunning and it is not anything that is really debatable um, if you do get a bachelor's degree and i say bachelor's because the difference between uh, having a high school diploma and associate's degree does make some difference uh, in your earning power but the ba seems to be uh, the key to higher earning potential. In fact, two out of three jobs uh, on the market today actually require a college degree. So uh, the, the data definitely shows that over time, uh, there's a substantial uh, amount of money and difference in uh, earning potential to, to have that degree. Now, will that change over time when, when other companies uh, like Google has tried to uh, develop, uh, you know, coding boot camps uh, to to uh, train people for specific jobs. But again, uh, that is not you're being trained for specific jobs that are needed right now. How that projects out into the future uh, is is anybody's guess. Certainly, there's a good probability that you can find something and then develop those skills along the way over time. But um, it still remains to be seen. No secret, college education is a, a lot of dollars. But as you mentioned, it is it is an investment, and the data does show that is something that uh, it is likely to pay off. Now, how students pay that off? <laughs> Um, is is certainly another question. Yeah, we talked about how the you know in incomes haven't uh, risen commensurate with inflation, uh, and that and that's a big deal. But we also should note that one way to address the loan issue is also that summer jobs and part time jobs, uh, minimum wage has also not kept up, and as a result, uh, you know people are not uh, um, making the kind of money in the off season 
that they did when I was in college, and therefore the loan need is even greater. So part of it we can address by just the income side of it and what students are able to uh, you know, garner. And we'll, take up, and we'll take up the implications on inflation and the economy at another time. So Lee, speaking of when you were in college, the fun fact is from 1938. Well, yes, and I'll, I'll tell you all about that. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a quick, we're going to do a very quick um, uh, fun fact today because we have much more sentimentality to uh, go as you indicated. Bestow, yes, bestow yes. on our um, audience. But, but uh, yeah, it helps if I turn to the right page of my notes. But in 1938, as you correctly identified, um, a study that's provided to us, as always, by the Roper Center Archives at Cornell University, which do you think has a better chance of earning a living today? 1938, a high school graduate who's had four years of experience or a man, man, man. Just, out, man just out of college. And we always love when the language of questions reflects a culture that has you know, long gone by. Well, thankfully has, has changed and hopefully yes. will continue progressing. And the national numbers, uh, it's interesting because at that point, obviously fewer people were getting a college education. Nonetheless, College education and high school student education, four years of experience, were almost identical in terms of public opinion. 33% thinking that uh, a college education uh, was uh, a better for potential learning and four years experience um, through high school had 34%. Uh, of course, 15% to set indicated it depends on a man, on, on the, the man, man. and yeah. the experience. Uh, and then 3% thought college men get breaks regardless of merit, which probably is one of the more truer statements in the data. That was only 3%. Um, so anyway, the, the numbers in all this, uh, I think, suggest a very different era. Uh, and as we talked about, certainly, uh, you know, college education right now, the numbers suggest well, I thought I thought also there was some insight. 10% of Americans also said that the experienced man has a better earning potential at first, but the college man will have a better one later on. And so I, I think that, that that I think that's a pretty interesting insight to also be a volunteered uh, answer. So this, this was from 1930, and as you point out, Lee, um, there were lots of questions about men. The majority of college graduates today are women, two of whom have been helping to produce this podcast, or in some cases, actually just producing the podcast, We Show Up and Talk, uh, for uh, the better part of two years in the case of Ashley, and Athens been with us a year. Both are leaving. Now, Athen, I will say, is coming back. She's disappearing for a year to uh, do other stuff, including visit another country and study and all of that kind of stuff. So she'll be back in January. But Ashley, it's your swan song. This is your last podcast. How does it feel? It's really sad. I've always enjoyed doing the podcasts. I mean, um, the first conversation, well, one of the, the first conversations I really had with Mary about Mayor's poll stuff was like the podcast. So it's been really, the, the segment is over, by the way, the fun fact is over. Um, but <laughs> That was your timer. This is how she, this is how she does things. Yeah. The production function got interrupted by the bell. I think that's great. 
but I've really enjoyed it. It's been really interesting to kind of see the whole production side of it, be a part of it, and also like learn a lot about topics that are just really in the news when so much is oriented um, around like political theory for me and international relations. So it's really been so much fun to produce all of this. It's very sad. Yes, and we we very much appreciate uh, all your all your hard work, and it was uh, wonderful to have you also on the podcast. I was not part of that one, but to have you um, actually interview someone who you had studied, so that was uh, that was a pretty cool opportunity, and you did a great job. Thank you. That was so cool to actually like see the connection get made, and I was pulling up my notes from class. And it was just a really cool experience to kind of see everything kind of come together. But, but I want to point out though that, but your career goals don't necessarily take this specific skill and, and apply it. You have career goals and I'm not sure I agree with this at all, but they're more in international relations, but what, um, you know, I don't know what you want to do, but it's. Well, it's, she'll it's, probably it's, tell us. What do you want to do when you grow up? Oh, you've grown up. So I really want to focus um, on, I've kind of garnered a lot of interest on international law and human rights. And I really want to find a way to work on kind of advocating for that. So um, I'm taking a bit of time off because um, undergraduate is draining and especially after COVID um, semesters and everything like that, I am pretty worn down. But after that, I plan to go to grad school, kind of still developing the path a little bit, because I want to see a bit where life takes me, but I really want to be able to just work in some way with human rights. That's kind of where my passion lies. I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, we're going to let a few other people join in here, and then, uh, Athen, we're not going to exclude you, but Casey, Casey you, you've been uh, you know, following and participating in this for the duration of Ashley's uh, um, uh, time with us. Uh, thoughts? It's always amazing working with you guys and Ashley, it's just been so fun. Um, I'm so happy that you're moving on to bigger and better things and congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and we've got uh, uh, Mom Mary uh, today. <laughs> <laughs> and I say Mom Mary because where are you, Mary? <laughs> I'm I'm actually now in the car um, at field day um, at my boys' school, so uh, I'm joining in from the I guess the mobile recording studio at this point. But um, I did want to jump in during this segment, especially uh, to fangirl a little bit um, over Ashley as well as Athen. Athen, I know you're coming back, so we are certainly not done with you. But Ashley, I remember He's not done with us, that Mary. That's what goes <laughs> both ways. I, Ashley, I remember that first conversation we had about the podcast, and it has been such a privilege to watch you develop and grow into the professional that you are. Um, I don't think I have the right to say this, but I am so proud of you, and I am so proud of the work that you've done. Um, I always hate the uh, podcast at the end of the semester because I do get a little choked up and a little emotional, but you know, I wish you nothing but the best. Um, if you ever need anything from any of us, we are here for you, and just keep doing what you're doing because you're kicking butt, so keep at it. <laughs> well said, well said. Said. applause applause yeah i want to get athen in here also though but uh you know you're going to be a distance away uh but i'm sure you're going to be listening weekly to the podcast from italy yeah um <laughs> <laughs> tell us what you're doing 
I am going to be studying abroad on um, Maris uh, Italy campus in Florence. Can we come and, and help you? Because um, I think, you know, it would be good for us to come on a field trip. Can we visit? Maybe maybe we can do an Italy episode. I was just yeah, I was about to say I think this just screams out for uh, an, an Italy segment. I love it, Athen. Let's do it. Yeah, and, and Ashley wants to do international stuff. I think we can get you right over and join you. Okay, so here we go. Before we wrap up and uh, and get your final thoughts uh, before you depart into into other parts of life. Um, all right, so of the four of us, uh, Barbara, myself, Jay, and Mary. Um, I'm not the, gonna like this, am I? The no. one, None of us are. No. This is bad, this is it's <laughs> gonna be bad. No, Jay Lee, go ahead. Actually, the, among the four of us, who follows your clock instructions the best? Um, it's gotta be, so Mary the best, because Mary is the one that's dealt with the pain. Up next is Jay, because Jay will try and work the transition in the best. We'll get cut off sometimes, but you can hear him trying to start. And I very much appreciate that. Ashley, who's the worst? Who's the worst? Um, I wonder who it is. Um, I don't really, I don't know his name actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's an inside joke. Because um, because we've been two dimensional uh, on Zoom a lot of this time period. When I see Ashley on campus, sometimes uh, I have to wait to hear her talk before I. Get I'm not very good with names and faces, so the uh, that that becomes a problem. Okay, so the other guy. All right, now I got two more questions. Well, also, in your defense, Lee, and and I rarely like to come to your defense. Um, we have been masked indoors for many of those times as well, so it's not that you you completely. Completely uh, do not figure out uh, who she is, but uh, you have a limited amount of information. Now, I'm not going to ask which one amongst the four of us is the most informative because I think that gets a little too touchy. But um, I want to do um, ask a couple other questions where I might have an advantage. Uh, uh, who's the funniest amongst the four of us? Uh, <laughs> I'll have to give it to you, Lee. Athen, don't just you know just don't don't hang around. Oh, I'm going to stay out of this one. <laughs> And the last question is, who's the shortest of us? <laughs> I, th I think it's a tough one, but I think that also goes to you, Lee. Well, thank you very much. So, so, so Lee, I think you won this two out of four. <laughs> Congrat congratulations. Yeah, and actually, I, I will say that, uh, that we haven't had a student step up as far as you've stepped up to, to produce. Uh, a second place on that is as Athen, but she's still got a year to 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 set the record. But uh, that's been a role that you have swallowed up along the way, and I know you do lots of other things in theater and this and that and that. So I'm not quite sure how you've expanded the clock, but uh, lots of success uh, to you down the road. And Athen gets the second last word, and then Ashley gets the, gets to. Uh, to close it out. So Ethan, just anything observational you want to make at this point as you head off to distant lands. Um, well, I wish the best to Ashley and I'm going to miss working with you. Um, I know we only got to work together for a semester, but it was so fun. And I think it's definitely going to be weird doing the rundown without you. Um, and I'll miss everyone from Italy. <laughs> and Ashley, you get the last word. 
Um, I just want to thank you guys for everything. It has been so much fun to work here and like work on so many different projects in every single way. I've gotten to do so much stuff that just makes me so excited. And working with each and every one of you has just been such an honor. Um, I've enjoyed doing the rundown with you too, Athen. I wish you the best in Italy. Have so much fun. Um, and I will be tuning into the podcast every week. Um, but just overall, thank you for everything. There you go. Congratulations. Yay. That'll do it for Poll Hub this week. Poll Hub is a production of the Maris Poll at Maris College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Mary Griffith is our executive producer. Casey Schaff is our production supervisor. The Poll Hub team includes Ashley Marcinek, Athen Hollis, and Emily Fry. If you enjoy Poll Hub, please consider leaving a review. Positive reviews help other listeners like you find us. If you'd like to learn more about polling and survey science, check out the Maris Poll Academy, our free online learning portal. If you have questions for us, tweet them directly to at Maris Poll. Remember, you can always tell your smart speaker to play Poll Hub and with any luck, it'll cooperate. Finally, wherever you listen to Poll Hub, there is a subscribe button. Click it and the latest episode will be ready for you in your podcasting app as soon as it's released. We'll see you next time.